0: The bell's rung, and welcome to another edition of the Icon Showdown Podcast. I'm your trusty host, Enan Hennigan, and tonight we're going to be tackling the year 2015 and showdowning It Follows versus The Babadook, two of my all-time favorite uh, recent horror films, if I'm honest with you. This is going to be a serious showdown. Um, As we do here at the Showdown Podcast, we like to break it down in terms of criteria, so it's much more objective than... uh, otherwise so we like to talk about the antagonist the ensemble the surviving characters the settings the deeper meanings as well as the fright factor involved and then we give pentagrams um, in terms of how much we like each category so as it stands it would seem that May 17th is the release date of it follows and January is when uh, the Babadook was first released so we're gonna go ahead and start talking about the Babadook which I absolutely love honestly this movie has resonated with me more than most horror movies for a very long time um in terms of who our villain is you could argue that there are multiple villains um one the depression that lives in the mother um who's amelia you could say also the depressive anxiety of her son um, as well there's there's something going on with him too because he's definitely um not accepting reality. Let's put it that way. And then, of course, the Babadook himself for this uh, mysterious dark entity that has brought their, uh, their lives to shambles, pretty much, for a lot of this movie. Um, what is his motivation? It seems like the Babadook is one of these weird villains that does bad in order to do good sort of thing. It seems like he has to help her purge her own sort of depressive tendencies and uh, inability to accept that her husband is dead. I think its ultimate motivation is to get her to appreciate her life by scaring the bejesus out of her, by making her see that she does still have her kid even if she's lost her husband. He's there to protect her as he constantly says and has to beg her, mommy, I'm gonna protect you. Or are you gonna protect me? He does not feel super confident. Um, in the relationship that they have, in a way that he, he needs to feel comfortable. And I think she resents him because he's a constant reminder of, of her dead husband. Um, the, the aesthetic of the Babadook is so cool. First of all, it looks amazing in the child's book itself. Uh, the way you have this, like, this uh, moving pop-up book Amazing, Especially when it gets more sinister, when you get the latter pages later in the movie, when it shows up for a second time after she tries to ditch it. Um, So you can almost say that the book itself is sort of an antagonist because it is kind of poking and prodding um, at Amelia. And certainly scares the crap out of her son Um, upon the first, first read. Poor Samuel, played by Noah Weissman. Uh, he couldn't even get through it. She had to read it mentally uh, the last pages because it was so affecting the vocalizations are so good too for the Babadook just the Baba Duke, Duke, Duke. I Freaking love it It's so scary when she's hiding underneath the covers and looks up at like this weird sort of venomous spidery sort of thing uh, It's like nothing else and that gets into the originality of the Babadook I think this is a wholly original antagonist in a horror film. nothing like I've seen Ever before, I was genuinely frightened for the mental health of the mother, for the son, um, and the breakdown of the relationships uh, in her life, which we'll get into the ensemble a little bit later, but just the fact that the Babadook is leading to the worsening of her relationship with her sister, um, ultimately getting on the outs with her job, and then having child services show up because of the, the madness that this is creating. Amazing, scary on so many different levels. Freaking love it. Now, let's talk about uh, almost as good antagonist, the it, and it follows. What is the it, what is it, nobody knows. Um, ultimately, the it is sort of like a mystique in that it can take on any form. It's a shapeshifter. Um, It doesn't seem like it can be anything but people as far as I could tell, um, but it can be people in your life that you care about. So that's kind of scary in itself. It definitely has um, that sort of, personalized horror that a lot of villains don't normally showcase, I mean, beyond just the personalization, oftentimes the it is showing up um, in, in the nude, if you will, uh, and sometimes people that are, are close to you in your life as well. Um, in the case of poor Greg, who tries to have the uh, curse passed on to him to save Jamie. Uh, He's ultimately taken out by the it looking like his mom in a bathrobe with her uh, private parts just hanging out there Um, So that was super scary. She sees it go down Jamie too. She's she's witness to the horrors as well Um, I like that it can only walk too, so you can buy yourself time with this monster But it's it's doesn't it, it can't be killed. It's constantly coming after you. I love that it's like this immortal being but somehow can be shot, can shed blood, you can put a sheet over it like a ghost because the only person that can actually see this antagonist is the person that's cursed that it needs to kill next. I like that. I had mixed feelings about whether or not it should be even visible underneath a sheet for other people or if it could just be randomly shot by her counterparts. Um, But as a whole, I, I really, I really love this It. I love how it's amorphous, I love that it's connected to ultimately sexually transmitted diseases which we'll get into later. Um, I I feel like it was fairly original too, I mean shapeshifters not as original, but a shapeshifter that is ultimately after one individual at a time and linked to the last person that you slept with, very original, I dig it. Um, I'm gonna have to go ahead and say that the vocalizations might not be as strong as let's say the Babadooks were. Uh, But I love the aesthetic and how it changes as well. So when we're giving pentagrams out to the Babadook as well as It Follows, I have to give the Babadook a 4, and I have to give It Follows a 3.5, even though I freaking loved it. Um, Let's go ahead and talk about the ensemble in the Babadook. This is an Australian film, so we have some Australian actors. I liked not knowing these actors. I think it helped Um, me really invest in the characters in a way that I might otherwise not have if it was kind of um, A-listers. Amelia is amazing um, as the mom. I think the kid is phenomenal, given uh, the challenges that his character face. Beyond that, I didn't like particularly love anybody else in it, but I think that has a lot to do with that their characters are really the most important characters in it. Um, the sister's decent. her friend is decent. the the old lady that lives uh, right right next door, she's also good but whether or not we get any character development with them, it's minuscule at best. Certainly the old lady, you, would, you could argue, she does care about them. You see that, you see some sort of relationship develop there. Um, did I really care about her though, in the same way I cared about Amelia and Samuel? No, probably not. Um, but in terms of acting, I think everybody did a great job in this. I think acting across the board's amazing. I did love the dynamic between the mother-son and the, the dead father, pretty much. Um, and unfortunately there's no diversity in this one as far as i could tell uh it is an australian film but there could have been at least one person of color or somebody from the lgbtq community which there was not um we're going to talk about the ensemble within it follows we have a much vaster cast and i do feel like we get a sense of a lot more characters in this one ultimately you have jamie she's our main lead played by micah monroe She has kind of like her old childhood friend Paul there. She ends up with him at the end. I don't know if that's entirely viable. Granted, she does want the buffer. She does sleep with him and wants that buffer in case they didn't actually kill the It at the end. And that's left kind of amorphous, but there is something following them at the very end, which you can assume is uh, It back to get them. Um, I liked I liked the boyfriend, and I liked her sister, and I liked her sister's friend. I thought these characters were, were decent and, and pseudo-fleshed out, given uh, the, the minuscule time that they had. I, I really liked, uh, actually, the sister's friend the most, who I believe is um, Olivia Lucardi, who plays Yara. She's great, especially for such a small little role, kind of like a, a nerd girl, but she gets shot in the leg at the pool, and I don't know, it's just really funny, and, and you kind of feel for her. Um, and beyond that, you could argue that Jake, the, uh, the guy that initially gives her the curse uh, by sleeping with Jamie, is supposed to be a nice guy. But he doesn't come off like a nice guy to begin with, if I'm honest with you. He seems a little scuzzy. Um, and from my perspective, he's probably my least favorite actor, although I didn't find him like distracting in any way. I, I, I would like to see him just in another role, perhaps uh, to prove that he's just not that character that we saw even though it was it was suitable for that part. I just, I, I don't know if I necessarily bought uh, the romantic connection between Jamie and him, if I'm honest with you from the start. But I love, I love that we get to see them before uh, the horrors begin at the movie theater where they play that game where they just guess who of who, everyone you're looking around here, would who would you want to become? Which life would you like to take? I thought that was a really interesting game and a really great way to like set up the theme of the film. Uh, terrific job as a whole there was nobody that was distractingly bad in terms of the acting maybe some of the peripheral characters the parents uh but it was it was negligible nothing that really got on my nerves um so if we're gonna go ahead and give pentagrams out uh, i'm gonna go ahead and give a three to the ensemble in babadook and i'm gonna give a 3.5 to it follows um, let's talk about the surviving characters because ultimately we do have our mother Amelia and the Babadook make it out of it all. She vomits up the, the demonic depression that is encapsulating her whole being. She almost kills her own kid, but I mean, in a way, you could argue that the boy, really proving his love to her, is kind of the final figure. Um, Either way, I like them both. I like that they got through this. I thought their determination, his determination to survive is unparalleled. Granted, she kind of wants to die. She doesn't necessarily see the value of him for a long time. At one point, he's so hungry, and she's feeding him uh, these painkillers, and he's like, Mommy, I'm hungry. I'm supposed to take these with food. There's no food in the fridge. And she's like, why don't you eat some shit? Very powerful moment. Very, very interesting surviving characters as a whole, and one could argue that the memory of the fathers the way that that was uh, festering the way that that character was surviving past death was really the biggest issue and the biggest antagonist in it um, so I, I did think the surviving characters are great. I think she is fairly iconic, and I, this was, is this was a kid actor that has really stuck out to me. So I, I liked these surviving characters as a whole. I thought their acting ability was great. They might not be on the level of a Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, but I would say in terms of contemporary horror, Amelia from The Babadook and her son are up there. Um, we're to talk about the surviving characters in It Follows. We do have Jamie stay till the end. She does end up hooking up with her old friend from the neighborhood who's kind of like this weakling sort of dude, not necessarily somebody, again, that she would be with when she's with the guy across the street. That actually seemed like a more viable couple. They're on the same wavelength. This guy is sweet, but again, it kind of made me like her less that she's now put him in harm's way because I never really bought their romance um so i do feel like she's a little opportunistic in that um her determination to survive is is so strong that she is willing to throw people under the bus as she does um it is actually uh insinuated at one point that she when she's at the beach um that she goes and sleeps with guys on on a boat just to we don't actually see this happen but she's taking off her clothes and going into the water apparently swimming toward that boat so she's so determined to survive that she is willing to sleep with strangers to kind of uh put off it if you will i do think she's fairly iconic i don't think people are going to remember her name necessarily i think they would remember the archetype that you have here especially given that there are such sexual overtones and there is kind of a, a female empowerment there and then the danger thereof of being sexually empowered um, I think it's it's fairly iconic, but maybe not so, so much as the Babadook. So if I'm going to go ahead and give pentagrams out, I'm going to give a 3 to the Babadook and I'm going to give a 2.5 to It Follows. So let's talk about the setting of the Babadook. Again, we have kind of a suburban Australian town here. Um, we get to see... The kid at the school, we get to see their homestead primarily. uh, I thought it was quaint, it was nice. It showed the struggles of a single mother. Uh, The kitchen especially was highlighted when there's a crack behind the refrigerator and ultimately there's this cockroach nest. We don't know if it's actually real or if she's hallucinating because of her uh, mental instability. I like all of the intimate scenes in the house. Is it necessarily a unique setting? Not so much. I think they do well with the bedroom scenes as well, really where the climax goes down where she purges herself of of the demon, um, as well as that's where she spends so much time. She's in bed lying there, depressed. It's really about... Mental health so much as we'll get into the deeper meanings. I, I, I thought, given the deeper meanings involved, the setting was appropriate. But again, not necessarily unique. Utilized the space that it could. We do get to go to another kid's birthday party and see um, her son kind of get in a little scuffle with another kid who's like, you suck so hard, you don't even deserve a dad. That was fun. Um, and, and I do think a mood is set especially by the book. When we get to read this childhood book with her, the, the, the Babadook book itself, uh, it, it makes you airy. It kind of makes you feel vulnerable like you would be as a child almost, just kind of vulnerable to the darkness that is the Babadook. Um, I, I thought the setting was fun and appropriate, but not necessarily unique. It Follows brings us a lot of places. It Follows uh, ultimately has a set of movie theater, it has of, an abandoned parking lot. This is all takes place in Detroit too. Um, she initially has sex with the guy who curses her um, in a car. Uh, outside some abandoned building as well. I thought it was really interesting the way that she's kind of forced to move around just by the conceit of the film. You really get a sense of Detroit and there's actually explicit talking points when they're trying to take down it um, near the climax. they like, yeah, my mom won't even let me go south of 8 Mile and yeah, my mom said that too sort of thing. So I think you get a real flavor of Detroit and how dangerous it is and how darkness, death could be creeping around any corner Um, So I I think the setting there was a little more polished, a little more meaningful um, than perhaps in the Babadook. Uh, They utilized Detroit well. We go into the forest. We go to a beach house as well. We go to the beach with her, as I noted. I thought it does uh, does well to highlight a number of places without marginalizing um, the plot, without... Distracting from the characters. I dug what it follows did in terms of setting So let's go ahead and give out some pentagrams if you will I'm going to go ahead and give a 2.5 to the Babadook for its Australian setting even though I love a good Film set in Australia almost to the point. I want to give it a three here raspberries Um, Yeah, if I give it a three, I'm gonna have to go ahead and give it follows a 3.5 because it is slightly better but I love that we get a sense of a different culture um, than we normally do. We need more Australian horror films is what it boils down to. So let's talk about deeper meanings. I've already touched on it considerably, I feel like, but deeper meanings in the Babadook, metaphors and the allegories there is all about depression. It's all about an inability to move on, um, a loss especially, uh, like bereavement to, to not want to or be able to be a single parent, not know what to do, to feel overwhelmed by it. Um, and then additionally, being a kid having to take care of your parent. You got the inverse of that going on and just the hardship um, and the turmoil that is caused by an unbalanced kind of resentful relationship on both of their parts. Um, Additionally, I feel like the dynamic between her and her sister is really fascinating and how uh, one family member can be so draining that you won't even listen to them when they're saying, I think I'm being stalked. Like I personally think her sister came off like a huge jerk. Um, Nevertheless, I do think that Amelia's character was just so heavy, was so hard to be around that it kind of made sense. Um, So it's kind of testing the boundaries of of blood, really is what it boils down to. Um, Commentary on the times. Uh, Certainly, I think it's interesting that it's coming out at a time when, you know, Kids got their iPads in front of them, and parents do not read to them as much. So you would think, ironically, that this would be a more bonding experience, but reading The Babadook with her son ultimately tears the two apart and really kind of destroys um, the sense of normalcy that we have before The Babadook enters their life, even though that might have been all a facade. Uh, I I do think there's a lasting impact for The Babadook. Everybody has heard of The Babadook. I wish there would be a sequel, but it's so potent that they're not going to make a sequel of this. You know it's going to be a good movie when everybody loves it and it's so good that the writer-director does not want to make a sequel because they'll think it'll it'll just taint the memory of it. So that, to me, is profound. Um, Personal connections. I, I remember every time I've seen this. I think it was the fourth time I've seen it now. I remember every time I've seen this, um, and and sometimes were really profound for me, actually, depending on who I was with. So uh, I definitely am personally connected to Babadook, and I will acknowledge there's a little bit of bias in me um, for it. It follows. The deeper meaning there certainly has to do with uh, sexually transmitted diseases, ultimately any sort of like biological contaminant uh, that is related to any sort of uh, contact with one another. Uh, the perils of unprotected sex, of um, what, it, what it does to you and uh, your psyche when you may, maybe have sex with the wrong person at too young of an age. Um, the inability of the parents to really know what's going on with their kids is something that's that's a huge theme in this, especially highlighted by her sister who's a smoker, and the parents kind of know, but she would never smoke in front of them. I thought uh, th- there's interesting stuff going on between the parent-child dynamic. Uh, additionally, you do have kind of the guy seeming like jerks or just complete um, pushovers in this beyond um, the guy that ultimately does what he does to her. He's kind of the jerk, the sleazebag, the slime ball that I was talking about at the first, the actor that I like the least, but it does make sense that I wouldn't like him considering what he did to her, um, burdening her with this as she has with it. But then she kind of does the same thing it's like being ruined then forces you to ruin other people i think that's kind of another big issue that's going on below the surface it's like once you have been tainted you cannot help but taint others uh there's there's no no redemption i don't know if that's the right word there's no kind of going back if you will um i have less personal connections with this in the bob duke this is only the second time i've seen it i remember seeing it and loving it and i loved it again but it's a little heavier than The Babadook in a sort of different sort of way. Um, and the the topic context is a little stickier, no pun intended. And it, it's, it's uh, it, yeah, I, I don't want to watch it anytime again soon, with the exception of maybe just to study the cinematography, which is beautiful. Apparently our director uh, really focused on kind of Using still imagery, still photography, some of his favorite photographers, to kind of set the scene and set sort of the, the mise-en-scene and what he wanted to do with it visually. And you can tell. I think that's actually one of one of the highlights of this film is uh, the production design. Um, so if we're going to talk about the deeper meanings and what's going on there, I have to give the Babadook a 3.5, and I'm going to go ahead and give It Follows a 3. Um, Fright Factor, the first time I saw the Babadook, it did scare me. I was super scared. I'm going to be honest with you with the reveal at the end when you really get to see the Babadook uh, like still and not moving and at her the end of her bed took away a little bit. I, I don't know if we... I mean, we. I guess we did have to see that, but uh, in a sense, I preferred seeing him in the shadows. I thought it was much scarier when I did. Kill counts aren't there. There's no kills in this, so that's a ding, too. You, I mean ultimately you could argue that the father having died but he didn't he died from an accident so that's a little different quality kills become moot music and sound design and this is awesome like i said just the sound of the antagonist himself the so good so good uh very scary in a lot of ways the sound um and some of these these visuals within the darkened space are what make it so scary I I would not suggest this film to anyone who was super sensitive, because I do think it's scarier than most, uh, especially because it's touching on a nerve. Um, I, I mean, It Follows as deep too, but I don't think it's that same sort of, it's, it's I don't know, to me it's scarier seeing a mother deal with problems with her child than just uh, teeny boppers and, and sex issues, even though they did that so well in It Follows. So let's talk about the fright factor in there. Um, kill counts are a plenty. We don't even know how many people the it has killed prior to that. Um, but we can assume that her boyfriend Greg is dead. Uh, she might be next with the guy uh, that she's ultimately sucked in to be her buffer again. And beyond that, there's the people on the boat that we can assume have died as well. Uh, quality of kills is not super applicable with the exception of the one kill where where the mother does come in there. And ultimately, it looks like Having sex with him to death is what it appears to be, Um, which of course connects to how this is transmitted, but it seems like his life force is sucked out. Kind of reminds me of the character from American Gods, if you've seen that. Um, She sort of sucks the life force out of people. Granted, they don't get sucked into uh, her vagina in the same way American Gods do, but uh, nevertheless, he's, he's left there lifeless Music and sound design are also good, like I mentioned before. Cinematography, production design of this entire beast, given um, that it's not a super flashy film, is is great. Uh, we have a, a pretty amazing pool scene there at the end. It's a little goofy with the throwing in of all the electric electric appliances to try and kill him. That kind of distracted me, but they are young kids and they're trying to think outside the box, so I'm going to give them some credit there. Um, I think the scariest stuff is when she doesn't know who is following her, which, which person around her is the it, and whether other people can see it. And the scariest scene there is probably where they're at the beach and the it finally gets to her and is like pulling up her hair and her buddies have to like fend it off even though they can't see it. Super scary. And then for them to hide in that garage and it to tear through the door as it did. I thought it was effective. I thought it was, it was scary. It's, it's scary in a different way than the Babadook. The Babadook is more psychologically scary. I would say this is more viscerally scary for me. Um, so when we're giving out pentagrams for the Fright Factor. I'm going to go ahead and give 3.5 to the Babadook. And I'm going to give a 3 to it follows. So the bells rung. It turns out for the year 2015, the Babadook is the most iconic mainstream horror film of that year. But I will say that it follows put up a good fight. It didn't win. Uh, Babadook did not win by a lot, but it did earn a four there at the top uh, with its antagonist itself. Uh, you can't you can't beat the Babadook in terms of originality and the aesthetic of of him until the very end with the too much of a reveal. Um, excellent job to the Babadook. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening um, to the Icon Showdown podcast again. I hope you're enjoying these bouts between top horror films. Um, If you want to support the podcast, please do go to my media hub at parasociable.com. There you'll find comedy horror shorts. Uh, music I've made with my buddy Josh Kirkland and our band Compudactyl, as well as my novel, Company Dreamer, about the dream recording industry. And you can learn all about that future entertainment business. But until the next time, as they say in the business, the bell has rung.